everybody, and welcome to the Hump Day edition of Heading Back to the Window with Scott and Scott. I am your host, Scott Steen, lead handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And I'm your co-host, Scott Reichel, senior handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And together, we make up Heading Back to the Window with Scott and Scott. Heading Back to the Window because that is the place you want to be heading, Scott. You make your bet, you win your bet. You head back to the window to cash it out. Or, like you said before on our opening show, you just watch your app, uh, the, the balance change. Either way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, a couple uh, hellos out there. We got people uh, people checking us out. We got Brandon Delio. We got Eric Stiles in the house. What's up, guys? It's good to be here on Hump Day. How did your Tuesday go, Scott? Overall, not great. I had the Warriors minus nine. They won by eight. There you go. Yeah, we had that as well. And um, what we have? Well, we had Houston team total over four and a half. That was a fantastic play. Played eleven playoff games, Scott. We backed the Houston team total over uh, twice, and two times they have failed to go over four and a half. Any guess what those two games were? The two games that you bet on? Oh, very good, very very good. So that's about how we've been running lately. I've made a decision, my friend. If I have another losing day today. Shaving the mustache, all the all the facial hair comes off. Okay, it's over. The, the That's t- a huge commitment for you, Timmy. It's gone. It's over. Well, Timmy, Timmy was just named to the preseason, uh, I believe, first team. Yeah, and... for, first team as a forward. Yeah. Um. So we do have a question from uh, Brandon Tracy before we get going here. Uh, what do you quantify one unit in in dollars? And it's uh, yes, it's it's definitely a a, uh, a proportion to your bankroll normally scott i would quantify a unit as one percent of my bankroll that's that's i use i quantify it in terms of percent it's either going to be a anywhere from i'd say one percent to about five percent so you can make you 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 change the your unit size no i'm not for me personally but i'm saying for most general people one unit would be somewhere between one and five percent okay yeah very good very good and uh, thank you very much, AJS, AJS, David Hess in the house, the Dominator. Uh, he got the he got the total right on the on the uh, game last night with the uh, Jazz and Nuggets. Yeah, the Jazz and the Nuggets. Ugh, I can't even. And the the second half went exactly like I thought the first half would go. It was they put up one hundred two, but man, they just they could not miss in the first uh, in the first half. Romeo Seymour in the house, Zach Vaughn in the house. What's up, guys? Greg is there as well. Ready to head back to the window. Absolutely, brother. So it was an interesting night. Scott, got a couple things to talk about. But before we do that, let's just find out the good news and the bad news. Who was a winner? Who was a whiner? But before we do that, see, this is the part that I always, I forget to do it on the live show. Hey, smash the like button. All right? If you guys are watching on uh, watching on Facebook, uh, give us the like if you're watching on uh YouTube, give us the thumbs up, you know, whatever, whatever way you can register your approval of what we're doing. Of course, if you approve, if you don't approve, then, you know, sorry, it's, we're, we, we're here for the masses. All right, Scott? Yeah, something like that. All right, let's find out who took it in the shorts. Who got those bad beats, Scott? Man, who's going to have to call the cops? All right, well, let's, uh, Let's fire it up, shall we? We're uh, going to take a look in the NBA. And, of course, 
Where are we going to start with the Spurs, the Lakers? Yeah, the Spurs plus two. You were in good shape. They led by 12 points heading into the fourth quarter. But, of course, the game's last four quarters, and that of the last quarter didn't go well. Lakers tied it, took it to overtime, and as so often happens, overtime, not the friend to the underdog. Lakers did what they do, and they ended up winning by four. If you had the Spurs plus two, you had it handicapped right, because after 48 minutes, they were within two. Just didn't work out for you. Sorry, got to call the cops. And looking at the second one in hockey, if you had the Lightning and the Penguins under five and a half, you had three goals with four minutes to go in the third period. Three goals in the final three minutes and five seconds. Game ended five to one. Oh, empty netters again? I believe one of them was, but the final score was five one. So what? wasn't like you had a couple there. I was going to say, I didn't know I didn't know who was ahead or what the situation was. So yeah, that was a uh, that's that's a horrible beat right there. Absolutely yeah. absolutely call the cops. And if you had the Braves Astros over eight and a half, as many of you did, um, you were looking really good. They had uh, six runs in the first four innings. And then here comes the bullpen. Two bullpens that have been decent, but they haven't been fantastic. Should be able to catch a couple of runs off the pens. Uh, yeah, not so much. That game ended up 6-2. Uh, to 6-2 two. to two as the Astros squandered chances. Not up and down the board, but they definitely squandered some chances, especially early in the in the game. Uh, that was brutal. If you had the Braves-Astros over 8.5, oh, so close. But uh, sorry, Charlie. So the total in that game I found is one of the nice parts about gambling every now and then because you can handicap a game completely wrong and it still somehow win. Yep. I said I liked the under in that game yep. because I thought both offenses would be a little bit tentative and you'd see them get off to slow starts. Yeah. The exact opposite happened. Yes. But the game went under anyway. So yeah, every brain. now and then you can predict something completely wrong yes. and still end up with money. And you have to remember those for all the times you handicap it correctly and you mm -hmm. end up getting screwed by overtime or whatever, like, yeah. like happened in the basketball game. Yeah, Solaire started with started the game with a home run. Braves scored in the first three innings. Uh, nailed it, Scott. Perfect. Perfectly done. Yep. All right, there were some nice, easy winners out there. Hopefully you guys are on the right side of some of these. Let's find out who was sitting in the rocking chair. So the first one was in basketball. If you had the Knicks minus one against the 76ers, I know both of us on the air did like the Knicks. Embiid played anyway. Who cares? Knicks led by 20 at halftime, one by 13. 76ers, I don't know if they really need Embiid. I don't know if he's the missing piece. This team clearly looks worse than they did last year. Is that fair? Yes, it is, certainly so far. So we were we were one and one on our predictions as far as who would play and who didn't. We had the... The two superstars, both who we predicted would not play because their names just suddenly showed up on the injury list. And we were right about LeBron, but we were wrong about Embiid. Embiid just played, uh, sucked it up and played. Although if you'd have, he if you'd do, have, he, he didn't do anything, he had 14 points. If you'd have put, really if you'd have put, if you'd have put a gun to my head and tell me which one is more likely to play and which one is likely to set out, I would have said LeBron was 100% more likely to set out. Uh, yeah, I, I, LeBron was once you're downgraded to questionable and you're in year 18, you're not playing. Yep, very true. Uh, Greg likes the under or the over tonight in the Trailblazers Grizzlies game. 
I can't really say no. I mean, you're looking at the pace for both teams. Minnesota, uh, sorry, not Minnesota, Memphis statistically has the worst defense in the league right now. I don't think they are the worst defense, but they're playing like it. I do see points. The one issue I would have with the over is if Lillard continues to struggle. Yep. Because he's shooting 8.3% from the three-point line this year. It's not ideal. Not good. But I do think you'll see a lot of points. But if you think Lillard's going to bounce back, then I think you definitely would like to play. But if Lillard's going to struggle again, do I think Portland's going to contribute much to the total? Maybe not as much as you need, but that Portland team defensively is a mess. Yep. It's either over or pass for me in that game. Well, see, and I got I got sucked into Portland over the other night, and they went out and did absolutely nothing. So, they gave up one sixteen, so yeah. they did half of what they needed to do. Yeah, I'm still I'm still a little gun shy about playing the Blazers there after watching them just really struggle. So they and they're certainly due for a bounce back because they'd been scoring a lot of points up till that point. So um Scott, if you had the Nuggets and the Jazz over two eighteen and a half, like David Hess did, fucker. Um, which was uh, the direct opposite of how... So Scott puts the order of these down most days, and I like how he makes me read my own my own play right here. This is... Pure coincidence on that one. Yeah, 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 it is. Uh, you had the over 218 Nuggets Jazz. You're in great shape. What a great piece of handicapping that was. It was obvious all the way. No other reasonable person could have possibly bet the opposite direction. Because they had 130 points in the first half. Yeah, you're golden. Yeah, the game landed 132. They put up 102 in the second half. Didn't even matter. They could have. They could have. They could have played backwards. They still would have gone over. Hey, if you had Nuggets Jazz over 218, Dave, congratulations. You were sitting in the rocking chair. And the last one in hockey. If you had the Flames on the money line at around plus 100 against the Devils, you led four to nothing after one period, and they won five to three. Nice easy win there. You like Charlotte tonight? Uh, Mike Rivka uh, wants to know. I heard Charlotte's very nice this time of year. Uh, but Charlotte's been good so far this season. I would keep tabs on the injury report because Rozier has been always seems to be a game time decision, and he gets ruled out about half an hour before almost every game. Right. I don't really know what's going on with him. But Orlando, that team just stinks. Uh, the, props to them for beating the Knicks once, but I am a little bit concerned that the Magic are still a bottom three team in the league. Charlotte, even without Rozier, has looked sharp. I know that P.J. Washington is out. So you might be seeing a little bit more of Miles Bridges at the power forward, which is really a good thing because Bridges has been phenomenal this season. He's averaging 25 points per game and 8.5 rebounds per game. So I do kind of like this, I don't want to say small ball lineup, but that's basically what the NBA is nowadays. I like what Charlotte's doing offensively. Orlando offensively has really not been great, and I do think that Charlotte should win that game pretty handily. Okay, very good. Um, all right, let's find out. Uh, we've got we've got the uh, golden feed bag to distribute here. Uh, we'll give give shout outs to a couple of guys, a couple of regulars here. Uh, Nathan Serna, good to see Nathan. He's uh, couldn't pull the trigger on the uh, Braves first to two runs yesterday. Had it right, but uh, sometimes that's the way those worked out. And Crash Landon is here on his way to work. Uh, Does my son have a prediction for when the Anaheim Ducks will stop? Uh, choking away games. <laughs> we're, we're actually going to mention that game in about a segment or two, but the Anaheim Ducks, unless Gibson stands on his head, that team's not very good. They got a lot of young talent. They might be good in a couple of years, but they're in the midst of what we like to call a rebuild, and those are never that pretty in hockey. <laughs> never, never, never. All right, let's find out who it was, Scott. Who was the donkey of the day? 
All right, Scott, so the Houston Astros, like so many major league teams and professional franchises, have a large medical and sports sports medicine and performance staff is what they call it. They have I heard th- they get paid pretty well. I think they all make pretty good money. They have, uh, they have three trainers. They have a head trainer, an assistant trainer, and a major league assistant trainer. And a chiropractor. They have, they, oh yeah, they have a head team physician. They have four other physicians. They have a chiropractor. They have a massage therapist. And they have a mental skills coordinator, Scott. That's a lot of people, right? Yep. None of them noticed Charlie Morton had a broken leg last night after getting hit by a line drive there uh, in the previous inning. He came in, he got, he got two other outs. Came into the inning, came into the dugout after that inning and apparently talked to, I don't know, somebody, you would assume, right? You just got nailed with a line drive. How's the you see shin? Him crawling off the field back to the dugout. You assume somebody would talk to him. He's, he's dragging his leg behind him like Mar- Marty Feldman in Young Frankenstein. And uh, no, he's fine. He's, he's sending back out there. He gets Jose Altuve looking. And then Charlie says, you know... This just doesn't feel right. So they came and got him. I reluctantly took him out. Went and got x-rays. Broken leg. So the donkeys of the day, every single person on the Houston Astros medical on the, slash... On the Braves medical Or the Braves, sorry. The Braves... Yeah, that's right. I talked to the Astros. The, the Braves, I'm talking. Uh, the... Uh, um, the training medical training slash medical yeah. staff. Everybody on those... Uh, in those positions has to share some blame for the donkey of the day. That is absolutely, uh, absolutely unbelievable. So they're going to be our donkeys of the day. Scott, was that, it was forget the bloody sock of, of Kurt Schilling. Was that the most unbelievable playoff performance in history? Well, he got a couple of outs, which don't get me wrong, were impressive, especially since, you know, after the fact that he could really only push off of one leg fully. Right. But, you're talking about all-time performances. It's a gutsy one, but he went, what, three and a third? Three and two-thirds? Yeah, three and a third. I'll take the Jack Morris complete game. Okay, well, that's that's very good, the, the 10 innings. You could even go with the Larson perfect game if you want to. You got a couple options there. I'm not going to say it's one of the greatest performances when he goes three and two-thirds. Okay. But it was definitely one of the gutsier performances. Well, next time, but... next time, you, next time you break a leg, you and I will go out and have a catch. We'll see. I once caught an interception in flag football with a fractured finger. Congratulations. So does that count? Is no. that the gutsiest play in football it, it, history? This is not. Hey, uh, so. R. Rivera, are you a fan of the, are are you a fan of the zigzag theory? Is it is it is it early? I think that I think you can make an argument for it, but I do kind of have an issue that the zigzag theory is the entire premise is what a team should do. Explain it, by the way, for those for those that don't know what it is. So the zigzag theory is basically involving a series in a playoffs where you think that it's going to be very close and you just think they're going to alternate. You think that a team no-shows game one, they'll show up for game two. Then the other team will win game three and you just zigzag back and forth between which team you think is going to win the next game. Yep, that's it. That's exactly it. So based on that, I agree with it if you think it's going to be a close series. But the issue is your, your only premise is this team was awful yesterday so they have to be better today, which we've talked about before, is a bit of a fallacy because just because a team played poorly one day doesn't mean they're going to figure everything out in 24 hours. The other problem is when you tr- when it comes to baseball, so much is predicated by the pitching matchup. 
Yeah. So it, it doesn't necessarily hold. Somebody wanted to ask, and this is one of our favorite topics about whether it's you like playing one or two good picks or playing volume every day. Scott, what's your thing? I'm a one to two pick guy. Yeah. That's... I'll live bet every now and then if I see some value midway through if I want more action. Some people really like to bet half units, quarter units, and have 20-something plays on the board. I'm not one of those guys. Give me three. I, I mean, on college football, I'll usually have more because there's so many games on the card. And right. I usually spend so much time going through them right. that I have a couple plays I like. But for any given weekday with basketball and company, usually somewhere between two to four plays. You? Yeah, that's about right. I'm... Well, I made a commitment before I started doing this that I would that I would bet money um, on every play that I recommend. I don't I don't think it's fair. You know, you have a lot of guys that just throw plays out there and don't bet them. So I bet every play that I throw out there. Having said that, there are uh, more substantial plays that I'll make, and mm-hmm. those will be one to three a day, depending on the game. And like you said, um, more on Saturday. Probably four to four to five plays on Saturday. If I on a, on a normal Saturday, I don't always get to that numbers, but I'm I'm definitely the more is less kind of guy. So am I. And of course, if you want the action itself, then you could always sprinkle around some smaller bets on other things that you like. Maybe a parlay if you want to sprinkle in some long shot money line thing. Yeah. But for the most part, I give out one play on YouTube every day. I'll bet that. I'll bet some other stuff personally, but. I'm usually topping out at around two to four any given day. And I probably make three times what I make with the beginning games live betting. Yeah. Live betting. I I wish one of these days we could do like a crash course on when to target teams for live. I'd love to do a live show, but with the delay, I've never figured out a way to get it to work because first of all, I'm streaming the game. So I'm seeing the game late. And then you and I stream, and then that's popping about twenty seconds after real time. So we're ended up we end up being 45, 50 seconds behind, mm-hmm. and that's not it's you can't do it for live betting. It's I, not, but you can find so much just quality numbers just by going through halftime, like the Warriors game, for example, yesterday. I know both of us lost because we had the nine, but if you're watching the game in play, they're down eleven at the half. You know Oklahoma City is not going to win a damn basketball game against Golden State because right. that team's terrible. Yep. So you assume Golden State's going to wake up, and suddenly you turn your minus nine into basically a pick Mm-hmm. And guess what? They covered the pick They lost the nine. Yeah, and they and they had the nine covered. That, that was the frustrating part about that part is, you know, they're up 10 with a minute left. You just need the sequence to work out. You need somebody to hit that basket to take it to the next level and give you that cushion, and we just never got that. Just keep that in mind for half times and quarters. I don't know if you believe that Vegas numbers are always sharp. Of course they're not. You have a couple lines that are always off, which is why we have the odds makers are drunk segment, but we usually give faith to the bookmakers that their lines are somewhat close to where they should be. So if you can find a 10, 15 point differential, if you jump in in the second or third quarter, usually you'll find value on that. Would you agree? Yes. Yes, I would. Yeah, so keep that in mind when you're live betting. Um, I've you very, very rarely run across incredible trends, but the, the the one the one for Presbyterian I think is the most incredible trend. A couple, I want to say six seven years ago, we wrote Eastern Michigan like that. Eastern Michigan was about one at one and eleven against the number one and twelve maybe, and that was a great run. But I've never I've never seen anything like this Presbyterian. You had Akron like three years ago. Uh, they were what were they three and nine against the spread? 
I'm trying to remember. I know they were 0 and 12 overall. Yeah, they might two, have gone like they might 1 and 12 against the spread. Or yeah, something. they were they were not good, but the, they were awful. But I've never seen anything like this Presbyterian thing where you just the numbers aren't even close. And that's, this is the de facto oddsmakers are drunk every first week. ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. Not even a debate. Yeah, the closest they've been is eight points, and that took a, yeah. a practical miracle. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. So yeah, guys. If again, if you if you learn nothing else from our show, fade Presbyterian every Saturday until until they burn us, and you know, and they will. It's like I always equate it to a dice table. You're pressing your bets. You're pressing your bets. You're up in your place bets. You're hitting craps at some point. You're going to seven out eventually. It's gonna it's gonna happen. The idea is to make enough money before you seven out that you don't that you don't worry about it. So. Uh, wish the blue has had a line. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll no. tell you what. If they put out the blue hose lines the same time as all the other lines, yeah, some sports might be out of business. Yeah, that's because <laughs> you a, would be getting absolutely just that's absolutely destroyed. true. Yeah, when we do our show, we're usually looking at the five dimes line, which is just a step above like you and I just making shit up and throwing it out there. Pretty much, but it's a tester line. They usually upload yep. it near there. You're always going to see line movement against Presbyterian. Most you'll see is probably four to five points of movement. Yep. It hasn't mattered. Yeah, we've it's seen it go. Every, we've seen it every time. Go from thirteen and a half to seventeen and a half. I don't give a fuck. They'll yeah. win by sixty. Like yeah. it really doesn't matter. Whatever the closing line is compared to the opener, Presbyterian is usually not within two touchdowns of that number. Yep, absolutely true. All right, so Charlie Morton, tough dude. Um, let's talk about who was disappointing yesterday, Scott. And this is the very. This is quintessential here. We've talked about this a little bit, but we'll. Uh, We'll touch on it one more time in today's segment. I'm not mad, just disappointed. So, you want to take this one? Yeah, I'll do it. So, for the NFL, uh, we know that they were involved in investigating the Washington football team, and they reached a conclusion because Goodell said publicly, no, I think we're good. Uh, we've done our due diligence. We are content with how this has gone. We're not going to release anything. And Jerry Jones came out today as well and said, yeah, I think they did a pretty good job. So (laughs) we can acknowledge here that this is just a boys club where the NFL and the commissioner are just protecting the owners at all costs because there's no chance that Gruden... Who wasn't even with the organization <laughs> was the only person who said derogatory comments in emails comparing just really just anything. So you talk about any group that they, that he offended, but you have one of the owners with the Washington football team, of course, and Snyder who was having the topless cheerleader photo shoot. And they were sending photos to people around the league. Right. There, nobody There's made no a sexist comment about topless cheerleaders. Wrong. There's no way. <laughs> That his emails were 100%. Zero percent chance. Zero percent chance. So a bunch of nonsense. Here are some nice young ladies that were that were uh, agreeable enough not to wear their tops. Please enjoy. I doubt that's what it said. I doubt. I doubt it as well. No. So yes. At no point during the Dan Snyder email list did I expect to see that somebody's daughter. That was not what I was expecting during the email. Right. List. No. And Brownsbacker. Right. That's exactly what ten, ten and a half to fourteen and a half. No fear when it comes to the blue hose. Do not fear. Any other game, you get to fourteen and a half, you're going through some key numbers. Absolutely. You're thinking about passing. Blue hose. Most of the time you should em. pass, but Presbyterian, Fade em. Nah, you can just Fade em. and uh Buddy's House of Food, aka Roland Mims, is here from Facebook. From Facebook, Scott. I gotta get a new Facebook account. I heard they're changing their name. 
what what is it going to be? Is it going to be the Facebook? You can bet on it. You can, you can bet on what the name's going to be. Uh, I think Connect was the was the favorite of oh. like three or four to one. Is it going to be sp- like but spelled weird? Drop the the. It's cleaner. Yeah, I like the social network too. That's, but that would be a real power move. They go back to the Facebook just to mess with people. Yeah, 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 uh, absolutely. Drew, does, does it really matter what the name is? No, no, it doesn't. Who cares? I, I, I still don't have an account. I got to get an account though. All right, let's do it. Let's uh, talk. I about mostly it. use Facebook for birthdays, to be honest with you. Agreed, agreed. And you know, I when I got my account got hacked in June. And it's a whole thing. You can't. You try to prove it's you, and it's a whole process. And they're like five months behind. Did you have to click the squares that have the fire hydrant in it? So oh you God, Did talk, you're not a robot. Fuck, you talk about pressure. You know, like a stoplight. Is that is it, is the frame of a stoplight an yeah. actual stoplight? Does that count? I don't need that kind of fucking distress in my life. I'm just telling you right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just too much. But let's find out, because we promised we'd get to it. Let's find out who our hero was today, Scott, in today's Gambling Hero of the Day. Is that our favorite drop, by the way? It's one of them. Truth I, is, absence makes the heart grow fonder for some of these sound effects. Yep, there you go. All right, so Facebook is for old people like me, Super Sly. You and me, brother. <laughs> All right, so it's a little play from the world of hockey. Winnipeg Jets left winger Nikolai Ehlers scored two goals in the final 80 seconds. Scott came back to beat the Anaheim choking Ducks. God damn, really? Jets win four to three. The Ducks. I need to get my kid to bet on them. I think it's the last time they won, wasn't it? Something like that. It was two goals in the last minute twenty. It was actually two goals in nineteen seconds. They just happened to take place in the final minute in twenty seconds. Oh well, there you go. So somebody might want to guard him. Just saying. I'm no guy, high- sc- guy scored a goal, high fived his teammates, went back to the face off circle, scored again. <laughs> that was that's how that went. But uh, terrible job of the Ducks down the stretch. My work, my work, my work here is done. Uh, Bien Trabajo says that uh, his vote will always be for Donkey of the Day. That sound effect. That's fair so, too. Yeah, that's. I, I swear to God, we did that for a month, and you and I would just laugh our ass off every time we heard mm-hmm. it on the air. Yep. So, all right. So we talked a little bit about the World Series last night, Scott. It was. Uh, both of these teams are now down a pretty good pitcher. In uh, Astros are missing McCullers. And, of course, the Braves will be without Charlie Morton for the rest of the series. Who's got the advantage when it comes to pitching? As of right now? Yeah. You flip a coin, but you might make, you might make an argument that it is Atlanta because they have two just guys in the bullpen who are nails. I know Minter gave up a run yesterday. He's been decent as well. But you got to talk about Madzik and Smith, who have both been phenomenal throughout the entire postseason run. So I think it's very close because Morton was a guy who I thought would get shelled yesterday because Houston had a book on him. Right. And he didn't pitch well before the injury either. Houston just stranded a bunch of guys on base. But I do think that if you want to make an argument about it being 50-50 in terms of pitching matchup, you're probably right. I'll lean a little bit to the Braves because the more I thought about it, the more I like that bullpen. Yeah, I, you know, supposedly – Houston mashes lefties, and the Braves have all those lefties coming out of the bullpen. It was going to be open season, and that ain't how, how that ain't how it worked last night either. Plus, your uh, your boy Scott, your boy that you were worried about for the Braves, he was Luke. nails. 
He was nails. Did you see How many innings of Jackson pitch? Uh, pitched one and two thirds. Gave up, gave up a hit. Three Ks, okay. no runs. Nice. Yeah, he looked good, and he got, and he got out of a uh, got out of a little jam from from uh, from Minter. He might just be one of those guys who every time I watch, he can't throw a strike. No, he had a bad postseason, no question. But yeah, and you got to see Minter, Matzik, and Smith last night. The three lefties, and they got uh, they got you know the uh, one hit off of Minter, and that was it. So mm-hmm. not. Uh, it, uh, I'm fine enough for game two because Freed's a lefty. So we'll see if Houston can solve him because he wasn't very good in his last start against Los Angeles. Well, I'm but, counting on Freed to be the guy that he was in the 14 previous starts when he had the, the stretch of 14 quality starts as opposed to the guy that just got blown up by the, the Dodgers. You mean the stretch where he looked like Greg Maddox? Yeah. Pretty Le- much. Lefty Greg Maddox. Yeah, agreed. And this is a this is a Houston pitching staff that you and I have talked about all season long. Uh, they've pretty much been held together with chewing gum and bailing wire up to this point. And I think they're fine, but they don't really have anybody that wows you. I know Presley's a good closer. That's basically it, right? Ooh. I know Javier's coming out of the bench, which, coming off out of the bullpen. I mean, which store, which uh, which pitcher, which starter do you have the confidence in for the Houston Astros at this point? Out of everybody that they have, yeah, yeah, out there's really not many. No, if you've any. got. They used Jake Odorizzi out of the bullpen last night. So that I'm le- shocked he made the roster because Odorizzi was awful down the stretch and he got injured the entire regular season. So that leaves you Valdez, Garcia, and Urquidy to start. You make an argument, Granky, but Granky's been useless. So is Granky Gr- on the roster? I don't have Granky on the roster. He's not on the roster. Well, I'm looking. I'm looking at the ESPN depth chart right now because I wanted to see if Granky was on there. So unless ESPN has it jacked up, which is certainly possible, it's they're not always accurate, but. I don't have Grinky on the roster, and I was I was surprised at that. I'll check that so. right now. I kind of just assumed he'd automatically be on the roster. Now I see him listed. Okay. All right. Well, again, ESPN just absolutely chokes the fucking chicken there because yeah, they've got they've only got eleven pitchers on the roster. I'm sure they're carrying thirteen. Yeah, he's here. So okay, so they do have Grinky, although you know he hasn't been good. He's been a batting practice pitcher for the last month and change, but. And, boy, and that guy, you know, usually you get a little run-up as they start to lose their skills and they don't do as well. He just well. fell off a cliff. Off the cliff. One day he was there, next day he just plummeted. And uh, it's 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 sad to see. Uh, yeah. Right now you might make an argument Garcia is the pitcher he trusts the most for the Astros, but he had, what, one good start? Because people forget just because of the clinching game, he was brutal earlier in that series against Boston. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was very good last time out. Of course, you know who else was really good last time out was Framber Valdez. Yeah, uh, he was outstanding, and then he was awful last night. So yeah. we'll see. Um, and and then they've got Urquidy going tonight. They could really need him to eat some innings because I need gotta, to. We'll see if he can do that. Yeah, but. we will because I think you and I have a definite opinion on whether or not that's going to happen. So yes, we do. Who you got tonight? Did you put much stock? And I saw somebody talking about it earlier. In the comment section, that the Houston Astros they, they can't afford to lose this game. It's a must-win situation. Now, you and I have talked about this. We we actually went over the stats at one point in the four various sports about must-win situations. Uh, is that a thing? I think you can make an argument. It's a bigger thing in some sports opposed to others. I think it matters for sports where home field actually matters. So basketball, I think you can make an argument with because when you're alternating home and road splits. A lot of teams are really good at home and really awful on the road. As for baseball, I think it's one of those sports where it matters less for zigzag theory. The ultimate one that doesn't matter is hockey. 
because just who cares? Home ice doesn't really exist, right? I mean, it all comes down to a couple bounces, a couple of power plays, and we'll see what happens. But baseball is one of those sports, if your pitcher is good, you got a shot to win. You can believe in the zigzag theory, but if Rikidi gets shelled, then your zigzag theory goes out the window because you couldn't get an out. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, absolutely right. Um, I was going to... I was going to uh... Yeah. Oh, Lawrence Anthony said he has zero faith in Rikidi tonight. Yeah, and I, I don't blame you if you have zero faith in him, but the point is if you believe in the zigzag theory, Houston still has to find a way to get out. Just because they need to win doesn't mean they'll be in an advantageous position to win. Freed was awful his last time out. I think everyone in here would easily agree that the best pitcher in this matchup is clearly Max Freed, and it's not even close. Yeah, agreed. Good to, good to see you, Tony. Good to have the old T-Train here. Legion of Picks is here. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Absolutely. Almost 5 o'clock where you are, Scott. Um, I have to look at Atlanta, right? I mean, you're getting plus money with the better starting pitcher. I think so. I uh, Would you agree that from here on out, with the pitching situation the way it is for Houston, if you're going to take the Astros to win, you should almost correlate it with the over if you get the opportunity? I think you can make that case because do you trust really any of Houston's arms? That's and what the I'm answer saying. answer is not many. Are they going to win a 3-1 to one game? I don't think so. You, they could if Atlanta suddenly slumps. We saw a couple of games like that against the Dodgers where the offense might have struggled for a game or two. For the most part, they kept it consistent. But Houston in that ballpark, if they're going to win, I don't see them getting, let's just say, a 4-3 to three win. I think you'll see some fireworks. Yep, agreed. Uh, pretty full NBA card tonight. What catches your eye? So looking at the overall card, my play today involves the Nets and the Heat game. So I got some thoughts on that. I do think there's value with the Heat plus the points. I just think that Brooklyn being favored is fair based on the roster. But Miami should have Kyle Lowry back. The Miami team is very good defensively. And Brooklyn has struggled so far this season. So we'll see what happens there. But I do think Miami has some value. Other than that... Um, Chasing that steam, buddy. It's gone from five to three and a half. I mentioned on the overnight, I thought the Heat might win the game. But if I think they're going to win the game and it's still plus three and a half, then there's still value in it, in my opinion. But other than that, I'm looking at Atlanta against New Orleans. I know that it's early in the season. You might not want to be betting on road favorites of about five or more points. But Atlanta has looked really good this season. They're just a very good team. And with DeAndre Hunter back, they improved exponentially defensively. You're looking at New Orleans. Zion's injured still. We know that. They don't really have much talent. Valanciunas was great last time out. Ingram scores a bunch of points, plays no defense. But New Orleans, I thought, would be a disaster this season. And Atlanta has impressed me. I think Atlanta should be favored by more. I'll take the Heat. I'm mean, sorry, I'll take the Hawks. You? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Atlanta playing really good defense right now. They're allowing uh, opponents to shoot less than 40% from the field, including uh, 28% from downtown. That's uh... Does New Orleans have any shooters? You're just looking at the team. They got Graham, who's a three-point shooter, but yep. he's playing point guard, and he's not really a great facilitator. Right. Alexander Walker is an okay shooter, not great. Hart's been injured. Ingram can shoot a little bit, but they don't really have much depth. Their players aren't very talented, and Atlanta's defense with Hunter has just been really, really good. Yep. You uh, you got a you got a thought on the to- on the total here? Uh, for me, I would lean under. Just because I think Atlanta's defense puts the clamps down tonight. Yep, agreed. But I'm so, I'm not really fully sold on it because New Orleans defense I think could be better. But I'll lean to the under. 
Well, here's an here's an, here's another five and a half point road favorite or so. It's a Charlotte against Orlando. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I know that when we first started the show today, somebody asked me about that. Right. I got to take Charlotte or anybody. Or really, just Orlando stinks. I, I get they beat the Knicks. Good for them. The team's awful. Yeah. You know, Cole Anthony has a 16 rebound game where he puts up some massive numbers. But you look at the rest of the supporting cast; they're not very good. Suggs has been pretty quiet for big men. You got Wendell Carter, who's okay, I guess. They're still a little bit banged up, still missing Fultz, still missing Isaac, still missing Okiki. So you're looking at Bamba and Carter, and they don't really have much depth at the center position. From the guards, they're okay. I'm still not a Wagner guy at all. I know we both weren't from Michigan, and we thought that him being selected top 10 was a bit questionable. But I'm just going to go ahead and look at the uh, – I'm just going to look at the Hornets there. Okay. I think Orlando is just a terrible basketball team. All right. Very good. Um, Miguel and Nova says, first half unders back. David Hess says, Dominator says, take the heat and Nets over 217 and a half. And uh, Super Sly wanted about the foul rules. Chase Young uh, – Trey Young, rather. We'll see. They've definitely affected Harden. So It's affected Harden, but Trey Young's still averaging 25 and 10. Yeah. He's still, do, he's still doing a nice job. All right, buddy. Let's do it. It's time. We've given some farmland back this week, my friend. It's time to reclaim it. We've got to head to the back 40. Crops are kind of, the harvest is coming in. we got to get it back. It is time. Put on those straw hats. Climb on your John Deere. Fire that bad boy up and give me your best yee-haw. It's time to bet the farm. All right. It's me, right? Uh, yeah, so does you. All right, here we go, guys. We're going to take Houston starter Jose Urquidy under 13 and a half outs at plus 110 on DraftKings. We went back and forth on this one. We could have gotten 14 and a half, but it was minus 160. So we decided to take that 70 cents and put it in our pocket. Urquidy uh, has thrown just an inning and two-thirds since October 3rd. That was against the Red Sox. It did not go well. Six runs, five earned, five hits, two walks, one homer on 57 pitches. He missed uh, earlier this summer 65 days with a shoulder issue. And uh, we personally don't think he is stretched out at this point. I'm not sure that he has the arm stamina to go five innings or even four and two-thirds innings. I'm not sure his pitch count is going to be, uh, facilit- be able to facilitate that. He has some playoff experience. Three of his last four playoff starts starts have gone 13 outs or less. I think Atlanta is going to have some success against Jose Urquidy, as is the case in playoff baseball and, of course, World Series baseball. That leash is a lot shorter, and the hook is a lot quicker. We like Jose Urquidy under 13.5 outs at plus 110 available at DraftKings. Well, plus, he also pitches the contact, which is something you don't exactly want to do against this Atlanta team. Right. So I do think that Atlanta could just shell him early, and they'll pull him. Or I'm expecting him to dance in and out of trouble, best-case scenario for him. Right. And I do think at some point, Baker's going to look over and say, I do have Javier warming up, and I don't want him to get shelled. Too many so, too many high-leverage at-bats will absolutely take it out of your For a game that well. you can argue is a must-win game, right. I do think Baker might be a little bit quick to pull. Absolutely correct. So that's going to do it for our Bet the Farm play. Hey, guys, thanks for stopping by. Uh, I say it every time, interacting with everybody, reading in real time is a, is a blast. So thanks very much for, uh, for making a part of your uh, daily deal. Don't forget to like and subscribe, of course. 
for myself and for my buddy Scott Reichel. We appreciate you being here. Good luck on all your plays today. And we'll see you guys tomorrow on Heading Back to the Window with Scott and Scott. You guys uh, have a great day. Bye-bye.